Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Okay, so last week's show was a little nuts even for me. But in this week's show, things calmed down a bit, and we answer a listener question from Elias, who's seven from Chicago, who wrote in and asked, Bebop, have you ever fought evil toys? And I would just like to say that I don't think there's such a thing as an evil toy. And just because I pulled that one prank where I put a toy spider in Jonathan's slippers, in his pillowcase, in his bathroom, in his underwear, and in his glass of iced tea, that doesn't make the toy spider evil. Actually, it kind of makes him awesome. But I will tell you the story of some misunderstood toys in this week's episode. Now, a bit of business. I have good news. The problem in my programming that made me mispronounce Jonathan Messenger as Hamathan Messingham, that, that's all been fixed. I can now turn on my Jonathan Messenger impression just like that. So, there. There's no reason for me to mispronounce his name in strange ways, and I can say his name over and over again with no random hams thrown in. Jonathan Messenger, Jonathan Messenger, Jonathan Messenger Cheese, Jonathan Messenger Cheese, Hamathan Sandwich Cheese... Ah, oh, come on. Okay, I guess I need to figure some more stuff out. But in the meantime, enjoy this amazing episode of Bebop Tales 2, Episode 2, Bops in Toyland. Okay, we need to think, said Loli. Bebop and the worm were sitting in the belly of another beast, and after their run-in with the time cop, they'd hopped in and out of at least 30 portals to be sure they couldn't be traced. Of all the infinite dimensions, it turned out a lot of them were beast bellies. What do you think it means that the Messing Hamily owned that futuristic world? I think it means you have a big problem, said Loli. If Messingham was in your world, and then his family owns another world a thousand years in the future, and he told you there was an entire Messingham dimension. Wait, when did he say that? Isn't that how the last season ended? Oh, yeah. So, who knows how many dimensions his family rules? Anytime we enter a portal, we could end up in a Messingham universe. So over several hours, Bebop and Loli hatched a plan. Practically any universe could be a trap, with Messingham waiting on the other side of the portal, or one of his crooked time cops. So they were going to have to tread very carefully and find a world Messingham had not yet invaded, or better yet, find one where he had, but the life on that planet wanted to revolt as badly as they did. And so from there, Bebop and Loli left the belly of the beast and traveled from world to world. They didn't have much luck. No one Rebels. wanted intruders to join haters. Their Babes. cause Jamokes. until they entered what seemed like a friendly world. It seemed like a perfect world, really. Really? 
Gone were the flying cars or the menacing creatures or the angry robots. Instead, the ground was like the plush, cushioned alphabet tiles of a child's bedroom. And everywhere they looked, there were toys. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of toys. Bebop kicked a soccer ball, picked up some toy knights in armor, and found a motorized car, the kind that kids can drive around the backyard, and took it for a spin. There were paths leading everywhere, not quite streets, that curved around the land. Bebop couldn't tell if he was inside a room, inside a house, or if this is what outside looked like in this universe. It was a little disorienting. On either side of every path, more and more toys lay strewn about, unused. This is kind of weird, said Bebop. What is? said Loli. All of these toys, and yet there's no one here to play with any of them. Be careful what you wish for, said Loli. No one's run us out of this world yet, and I'd like to keep it that way. Bebop drove the motorized car around a corner and hit the jackpot. There, in front of them, was an enormous bookshelf filled with toys. There were princesses and video games and about a dozen bins of different kinds of building toys. Bebop stepped out of the car, jaw wide open. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. Maybe we should just hang out here and play a while. Bebop turned around and saw a helicopter flying directly at them. A second later, four green toy paratroopers fell from the sky. They landed at Bebop's feet, standing slightly shorter than his ankles, and silently began to wind the strings of their parachutes around his legs, as if to trap him there. Uh, what's up, guys? The paratroopers tied off their strings and stood back. They didn't speak to Bebop just stood at attention and waited. Bebop knew he couldn't be contained by string like that and was about to point that out to the paratroopers when four action figures jogged up, each with a palanquin's pole on their shoulder. If you've never seen a palanquin before, it's quite a sight. A small, covered wagon with two poles running on either side and four people carrying the ends of those poles so the person inside appears to be floating above the ground in a tent. First paratroopers, then a palanquin. That's like one of my vocal warm-ups, said Bebop. Paratroopers, palanquins, paratroopers, palanquins, paratroopers, palanquins. Shh, said Loli. Look. Parting the curtain of the palanquin was one of the craziest things Bebop had ever seen. Riding atop the mast of a miniature pirate ship was a finger puppet of a lobster, and it looked angry. Did you ask permission to drive that car? Said the pirate lobster finger puppet. Permission, said Bebop. I'm sorry, I I didn't see anyone around. We are here from another dimension. This is a very pleasant home you have. Did you ask permission? To drive that car. Uh, 
as I said, no, I'm sorry about that, but we didn't see anyone around. But what I really want to know is, did you ask permission to drive that car? What? What? Did you ask permission to drive that car? From whom? There's no one here to ask. The car revved its engine. Here's an idea, said the finger puppet lobster. How about you ask the car? Other toys began grumbling and gathering around Bebop. I think it's time to get out of here, said Loli. And the worm opened a portal, but it immediately shut again. Loli tried again, but again, it shut. What's happening, Loli? I am happening. A small, malfunctioning toy robot had sidled up beside Bebop. Every time Loli tried to open a portal, the robot sparked and sent an electrical signal up to counteract it and shut it down. You're not going anywhere, said the toy bot. Hey, we don't really talk like that, said Bebop. That's kind of an offensive stereotype. Bebop reached down and broke the string around his ankles, and he and Loli jumped back into the motorized car and took off. They could hear the helicopter start back up behind them, but that was the least of their troubles. The car they were in had started swerving randomly and slamming on the brakes. Hey, hey, cut it out, yelled Bebop. But the car swerved and opened the driver's side door, and Bebop nearly flew out of the car. But he held on to the steering wheel and slammed the door shut. Every time Bebop tried to steer one way, the car went the other. If Bebop hit the accelerator, the car hit the brakes. It was clearly working against him. Well, you just... The car revved up and started accelerating straight toward a brick wall. Bebop tried to turn, but the car held straight. He hit the brakes, but nothing. He pulled on the little toy emergency brake, and it broke off in his hand. Well, it's been nice knowing you, Loli. Bebop yelled as the car headed for the wall, and... The brick wall? The one the car had been screaming toward just a second before? Turns out, it was made of toy bricks. It was like crashing into a pillow fort. Bebop hopped out of the car, and to keep it from running him over, he flipped it on its side. It spun its wheels angrily, but there was nothing it could do. Okay, now, let's get out of here, said Loli, getting ready to open another portal. No, honorable ones, you must wait. A voice called out from the rubble. Bebop picked up a few of the bricks and tossed them aside, and there, on the cushioned ground, was a small, pink ninja. It was trapped inside a plastic bubble, the kind you get from dispensers at truck stops and grocery stores, where you put a couple of quarters in and turn the crank. It is not my compatriot's fault that they chase you. It is the evil Messingham whom you seek. He placed a curse on them many years ago. It has been difficult to watch. So then why shouldn't we just leave? Said Bebop. You need an army to defeat Messingham. I know how you can lift the curse, but you will have to follow me and trust me completely. The little bubble ninja stared at Bebop. Okay, fine, said Bebop. 
will follow you. Bebop waited for the Bubble Ninja to lead the way. I am in a bubble, Bebop. She said. I cannot move. Oh, so when you said follow me, you really meant pick me up and carry me around. Lowly on his shoulder, Bubble Ninja in the palm of his hand, Bebop progressed as he was told. Either the evil toys had given up, or they thought the crash had done him in, but there was no one immediately on his tail. The Bubble Ninja told Bebop about how this universe had once been a happy place, where all of the toys had played together, but Messingham ruined all of that. What about that lobster finger puppet guy? He seems legitimately mean said bebop yes said the bubble ninja he was not turned by the curse that guy has always just been a chucklehead the bubble ninja led bebop into a plastic general store with toy shopping carts filled with groceries here said the bubble ninja pointing to an enormous chest in the dairy section this is the magic toy chest open it and the curse will be lifted. Well, why can't you just open it? Said Bebop, squeezing the sides of the bubble to let the ninja out. No! The thin plastic shield of this bubble is the only reason I have not been infected by the curse. And if you let me out and I turn evil, no one knows the destruction I may cause. Okay, okay. Said Bebop. Bebop approached the toy chest. There was no lock, no hasps, no clips, nothing to hold it shut. He couldn't even see a hinge for a lid. How am I supposed to open this thing? I do not know, said the Bubble Ninja. But you must hurry. Bebop could hear the helicopter approaching. He shut the door of the general store just in time before the car he had been driving slammed into it. The lobster finger puppet behind the wheel. He turned back to the toy chest. He walked up and put his hand on the chest, looking for some sort of opening, and immediately a sound arose from the chest. A mystery you have found in me. No opening that you can see. Make no bones about it, you'll never open me without it. This most nefarious and deadly key. Do not look at me, said the ninja. I can't even open this bubble. Bebop tales, Bebop's in trouble. Ninjas can't solve puzzles when they're stuck in bubbles. Bebop tales, Bebop tales, Bebop tales. Okay, so as you can see, I am stuck at the end of the story, and I don't know how to solve that riddle. Well, I, of course know how to solve that riddle. I know how to solve all riddles and puzzles in games, and I can even solve single-digit math problems. Now my question to you, dear listeners, can you help me solve this one puzzle? It's a bit of a riddle, it's a bit of a poem, a bit of a limerick. If you think you know the answer, email it to earth at fincaspian.com. That is earth at fincaspian.com, and I will get it. And we will solve this issue next week. Now, 
as for the issues for this week, we have some art and some jokes to celebrate. In terms of art, I want to say good to Andrew9 from Bristow, Virginia, Ryan9 from Denton, Texas, Frida10 from New Zealand, five-year-old Wyatt, Alma and Jasper from Boise, Idaho, Aria, who's five, from Seattle, and Christy, who is ten, from Eugene, Oregon. Thank you all so much for the delicious art. And now we have some great jokes. Abdul Rahman from Saudi Arabia wanted to tell us a joke. What did Neptune say to Saturn? Give me a ring sometime. <laughs> Thank you, Abdul Rahman. That's a great joke. Our friend Marco sent in a joke. What do you do when you see monsters? You do the monster mash. <laughs> the monster mash is pretty fun. It's one of my top 50 dance moves. I'll go over the other 49 another time. Rebecca from Costa Rica wrote in, Why did the sun go to school? To get brighter. <laughs> All right, and let's close out with this joke from George from Charlottesville, Virginia. Hi, I'm George, and I have a joke for you. What's the cow's favorite spot in the universe? The Milky Way! <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much, George, and thank you to everybody who sent in their art and their jokes this week. And thank you to Elias for sending in your question. I hope this episode at least partially answered your question. We'll find out next week what brilliant way I found to solve everyone's problems forever. Except the problems of Jana Cheese. See you next week. It's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? 
There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called The Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago, and it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history.